I'm going to paint a picture with words. Sometimes when there's a bunch of pictures that show up, you kind of lose the mental image. I want to paint this image in your mind, and then we'll move to actual slides and pictures of what we did at Campion Academy. But um, I don't want to introduce myself with any kind of accolade. I'm just Anna. I'm Anna, and I have a passion for farming, and I'm farming with God in particular. And he's my manager, and I'm his intern. We just have a simple relationship. He tells me what to do. He manages the budget, and I just follow along, letting him make all the big decisions. Um, and yet it's also a really complex relationship because I don't always get to see the master plan. I just one step at a time as I go along. So uh, I want to share with you today the, the part of the master plan that I've been able to see. So um, in about... At, in 2016, um, about four years ago, my husband and I and our two small boys um, moved to Campion Academy in Colorado. And so we made the trek, and Campion is, um, if you're not familiar with it, it's a school, an Adventist Christian boarding school um, on the Front Range, which is the flatlands right before you get to the mountains. So you can see the mountains, but you're in farming land. So it's, it's nice that way. Um, and this academy, once upon a time, had two huge working greenhouses, each about 16,000 square feet. Um, and then they had 10 smaller greenhouses, and their primary um, production was potted plants like poinsettias and pansies, and they would sell to Denver and local ski resorts because they would eat the pansies on their dishes and stuff like that. So the students were actually able to work in these greenhouses as their industry and to help pay off their tuition. And so um, this massive operation, it lasted about 20 years, and it was pretty successful. Um, and on a good year, they grossed $650,000, so over half a million. I was able to talk with the farm manager um, who helped with that. And um, However, for various reasons, and I can talk to you about that later, because um, I, I have the specifics on why it didn't last, um, that heyday was over came to an end, and the school was then left with these massive structures, um, but no one to operate it and no money to operate it with. Um, all they were left with was a $100,000 insurance policy every year. What did I say, 11000 I don't know what I just said, but it is 100000 No, 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 11000 My, I, I think I was reading across, and it just, the zeros kept going. $11,000 insurance policy every year. Yeah, so it was quite a bit. So in order to um, offset those costs, the school rented out the greenhouses to local companies, and um, they came out to grow hot house tomatoes and cucumbers. And these companies, one by one, they just left or they went bankrupt. Um, but they each promised to restore jobs to the students, but it just failed over and over and over again. So the school was getting pretty desperate. Um, as these unused greenhouses started um, to become a major eyesore, and they were also a danger because wild animals started to take up residence in these greenhouses, like coyotes. And so they decided it was best to sell off the greenhouses and put the proceeds back into the school to help the students. And so that's the scene that I came upon when I arrived at Campion Academy, and the story I'm about to share is of the amazing journey God led me on to establish a school farm uh, with no budget, no money. So um, this Bible verse has been the guide of my life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. 
And it's the rule of all my efforts, my golden standard. If what I'm doing doesn't put him first and help me become more like him, then I can't expect his blessing. Um, but I'm reassured that he will take care of all my needs if my first focus is to know him and to show him. So once I was convinced through personal study um, with God that he was desperate to be known by each student at Camping Academy through gardening, um, the two books being um, Hope in the Soil, by a, it's a compilation of Ellen White's writings, and of course the Bible itself, um, I knew then that um, I didn't have to worry about the how I was going to accomplish this because I knew the why. I knew why having a school farm was so important to God. And so I trusted that he would show me how it could be done. Um, the Holy Spirit, let's see, I spent uh, the next year trying to convince the administration. Let's see, I just skipped a slide. Let me go back. So sorry. How it could be done. Perfect. So I took my God-directed mission to the school board, the principal first, actually, and found out it was going to be a pretty daunting task. Um, there was no money in the budget zero, not even a penny, um, for an agriculture program. Um, they had never had a farming class, even though they'd had the, uh, the greenhouses in full production. It was never a class that was offered to the students, um, so never part of the curriculum. Um, and if this program was going to be allowed, it was going to be a solo effort. Um, there was no one to help set things up. But, as we all know, if God tells you to go, you go, right? Yes, and you don't give up. So I spent the next year trying to convince uh, the administration of why farming needed to be part of God's curriculum in the school and how um, it would work under his direction, that he would provide the money and that I would gladly volunteer my time. So there was no lose opportunity for the school. Um, but the Holy Spirit worked even better because he, um, he touched the ears of the school board and I was finally permitted to proceed with the understanding that the school was not going to be able to support at all. They iterated it, reiterated it over and over and over and over again. Um, there was no financial support. But I was super excited. I was ecstatic because um, I knew God's incredible ability to supply all my needs according to his riches and that the cattle on a thousand hills are his, right? Right. But sometimes he gives you one cow at a time. <laughs> and so before I tell you about each of the cows that God shared with me, um, I want you to understand this concept. And I learned it. You may already have learned it yourselves, but it took me a bit to get it. And that concept is this. If you have truly asked God and for his will to be done, and you are following where he's leading you, there are no setbacks, no setbacks. They may seem like it at the time, but be encouraged, the events in themselves are catalysts to accomplish his work. So let that sink in. There are no setbacks. Everything is a catalyst to accomplish his work. So cow number one. <clears throat> Um, I shared with you that Campion Academy had two huge greenhouses and the ten smaller ones at the beginning of my quest to um, start a garden program. Well, it was definitely a Gideon experience, Gideon experience, as one by one each greenhouse was sold. 
I'm reducing my structures to one small propagation house and then fallow land. That was it. And, um, uh, but God helped me realize, uh, what, what he helped me realize was that I was teaching students um, skills that I wanted them to be able to utilize once they've graduated. And greenhouses cost a lot of money, right? And so uh, God's, I believe that God's blessings um, of being able to grow food should be for everybody, not just the rich and wealthy. So I recognize that the first part of God's master plan is that he's very simple. You know? The second thing I learned, the second cow, um, was that I, I needed to kickstart the program because there was no budget. There was nothing financially there. And so um, I used my personal offerings to fund a donor dinner. I had to find funds somewhere, so I thought this was a great idea. Um, so I sent out invitations to over 100 different individuals that I knew um, loved gardening and were big supporters of the school. So I bought locally grown produce, and um, uh, that produce was then part of all the entrees, and I was trying to set this, the theme of supporting your local farmer. We bought locally baked breads. We bought, um, or we had people bake pies from Colorado-grown rhubarb, and so everything was beautiful. I was so proud. The tables were set just perfectly. Um, real plates and utensils. I mean, it was fancy schmancy. Um, and everything was ready and in its place. And I'm there and 11 people show up. Yeah. We, end, we pretty much donated the entire um, supply of food to the homeless shelter. Yeah. So you might say how disappointing. And I thought that at the same time. But... God knows what he's doing, and he used this letdown uh, to invoke compassion with those who attended, and one of them was the local church pastor, and he invited me then to speak at his, his church during the church-wide potluck, so that's when pretty much everyone attends, and um, it was a perfect situation. I didn't have to purchase the food. Um, there was over 100 people present. And um, as the church members ate their food, I, pre I represented how agriculture should be in our schools and that it was going to not only positively affect the students, our local community, but even beyond. So the presentation was well received and through it, many members supported our garden program, both financially and uh, through prayer, prayer, encouraging words and their volunteered time. So it was really wonderful. Um, God accomplished a better result through this free potluck than with my expensive donor dinner. So it was wonderful to see in God's master plan that he is financially unconstrained. So don't be discouraged if there's no money and nobody shows up initially. God, God has it all um, in his plan. So cow number three. Um, as I mentioned before, the greenhouses were sold off piece by piece, leaving a barren a space of pea gravel and concrete sidewalks. And the empty space was a solemn reminder of how often our hopes and aspirations can fall by the wayside. And at the same time, it was a daily reminder to me that I must always keep listening carefully to God's direction or I might, up ending, I might end up having the same fate. A lot of our schools, their, their farm program is in just disrepair and non-existent. And 
Um, it happens everywhere. And so I, I knew that I had to keep a close connection with God. Um, so, amazingly enough, on the land where these greenhouses were removed, uh, rain fell, and rain's available to anyone, and the sunshine shone, and sunshine's free to everybody, and these sterile plots where these greenhouses had been, up came through the pea gravel these little volunteer tomatoes, and they started to grow all on their own, and uh, these dormant seeds had been waiting for their chance to fulfill their duty, and they were given the correct conditions by God's bountiful hand, and in perfect timing, they produced a crop all on their own. They ripened just in time for alumni weekend, and we took these tomatoes and we set up a booth, and we displayed the pictures at work, the pictures of the students in the garden, and we had all of that so that the alumni could see what was going on at Campion. And most importantly, we passed out these free samples of volunteer tomatoes to everyone, and people were shocked at how sweet they tasted. They were grape tomatoes. They were delicious and red and beautiful. And they got really excited um, that the agriculture program was revived at Campion Academy. And through these tomatoes, we actually received our our biggest donation ever. Um, And that donation allowed our program to continue the second semester. So I was allowed to see another part of God's master plan, and that is his perfect timing. Uh, Cow number four... Um, Since our program was very limited on funds, it was suggested that we try having um, some work bees to get the uh, place cleaned up and fixed what needed to be fixing, what needed to be fixed. And so I decided to give it a try, and I placed a flyer in the church bulletin, and I prayed that people would show up to to the work bee. And I was overjoyed because a lot of people showed up. Um... Well, to my standard, it was a lot of people, seven. And they were all very capable and willing um, and hard workers. And so we accomplished a lot with just those seven. And um, we got more accomplished in those few days than I could have ever done in months working by myself. So uh, the next work be, and I might be jumping ahead, um, we had 14 volunteers. And so it just kept exploding. And volunteers that would come randomly you know, at various times to help. And so God sent these dear people to help carry my load because by yourself, it's a daunting task. And they demonstrated a selfless love. And I saw the beauty of coming together to support a cause that was something just so special. It was heavenly. And it showed me that God's master plan involves others. Don't do it by yourself. And then the cow number five um, Once we got our agriculture well underway, I saw the importance of using it to provide for the needs of others. Um, I wanted the students to experience the joy of benevolence and the blessings of obedience. So um, after reading numerous Bible principles on farming, we saw that God sets laws in place um, to specifically take care of the poor, Um, also the widows, the orphans, and the strangers. And he uses that through agriculture to take care of those people. And so he commanded harvesters to not harvest um, everything, not to over-harvest, but to leave something for the gleaners. Um, He also ordered every seventh year as a rest year, um, a Sabbath for the ground. And no one was to harvest on these years, but they allowed the people and the animals 
um, to reap the benefits. And then he also commanded that the first fruits be <clears throat> an offering to God um, for his, to thank him for his provisions. And that was given to the priests. So our class, what we did is we took God at his word and we brought 10% of our produce um, as an offering to the church. Um, a tithe and an offering. So 10% for tithe, 10% for offering, first fruits. We, didn't, we hadn't sold anything, we just brought it to the church. And we allowed anyone to take whatever they wanted. And it was so exciting to see the joy on the faces of uh, each of the church members who took some lettuce. And their eyes were brightened, and we told them it was fresh from the farm, and that it was free, and they were so excited to take it. And um, following God's standards, had a twofold blessing there. Um, it felt good to obey, of course, and to do what you were asked to, but it was also an absolute blessing to our souls to share with others. Um, God never intended gardening to benefit just the grower. Um, God's master plan benefits humanity. So that's what I saw as well as I was gardening out there. And then cow number six, and there's probably more, but these were the six that I thought was most important. Um, as I asked God to help me write the lesson plans for each class, I came to understand that God wants us to become acquainted with Him uh, through His creation. Um, if His love is written on every flower, <clears throat> every flower petal, every blade of grass, then He must be desperately trying to capture our attention. Um, every natural thing that our eyes fall upon is placed there as an invitation to know your Creator. So I wanted our agriculture program to be centered on knowing God. Whether the students were digging in the dirt, planting seeds, watering or weeding, it was all intended to bring them into contact with the lover of their souls. Um, there was no way each student's heart couldn't feel the drawing power of God as they came so close to his presence. So I saw uh, rough, temper rough temperaments become calm in each of the students. Um, the overwhelmed minds of the students became very relaxed. Um, peace reigned as we all worked together um, as God originally intended, uh, with him by our sides, teaching us through living parables. Um, it was completely evident as I saw God working on these students' heart that his ultimate plan reveals his character. So uh, in summary <clears throat> of these cows, um, as, I, as each of God's provisions were seen, one cow at a time, I realized two things. <clears throat> Excuse me. First of all, that cows don't always equal money. God might have the cow, cattle on a thousand hills, but that's not just financial benefit. Um, God's blessings are so much broader than just money, and they're more lasting. And secondly, if the cattle on a thousand hills had been given to me all at once, if I had received all of those blessings all at once, I would have missed the entire journey, the character building that came through depending on God to supply my needs, and I would have missed being able to see God's master plan, that he uses simple things, simple things to confound the wise, um, that he works above money, count number two. I, I wouldn't have seen, I wouldn't have needed his perfect timing or involved others. And because of my needs, I because my needs have, would have already been met. So God, who is in control of the budget <clears throat> and the cows, used it um, to limit me and keep me within his will. And there's no place that I would rather be than in his will. So it might be uh, an encouragement to you to know that even though money is tight, um, 
God can provide beyond money and he can just curtail it perfectly so that you're within his will, perfect timing. And so um, it was just a, a wonderful experience. And so through it all, we, you know, before we, we worked against the odds, we had no money, we had no vision, we had no help, but in the end, through the journey, um, we reached our financial goal of $11,000. We had a clear vision of God's master plan, um, and we had lots of help through volunteers. So he took care of every one of our needs, just as he promised. All things would be added to you. He fulfilled his word. So these are some helpful hints um, that I discovered as I was gardening, and this might help you as far as establishing a school farm. First of all, um, God's blessing, you want that, right? <clears throat> well, that's a given, because his blessing will always attend establishing a school farm. There is so much written on how important it is for God um, and for the school to have students be, you know, hands-on involved in his creation. So um, there's nothing that I can think of besides personal Bible study and prayer that brings you closer to God than through creation and being in the garden uh, with him. So <clears throat> we already know God's blessing is with it. Um, I think another thing that would be really helpful to have is a persevering spirit. If you give up easily, it probably, um, you'll give up. You'll give up before you see the end result. And so keep at it. Don't give up. God's, um, it said that angels are going to attend you as you're gardening, um, that the Holy Spirit's going to work on people's hearts, that the blessings that um, are there you wouldn't ever receive if you didn't have agriculture in your schools. So persevere, don't give up. You may hit a brick wall, but keep moving forward until you find that crack through. Uh, the other thing is, I have found there's different approaches to trying to create a school, uh, excuse me, an agriculture program. Um, I mentioned them in Birds of a Feather. Some, I've seen some farmers, um, they put all of their personal funds into renting the land from the school, and then they provide industry to the students. But in my situation, as I was asking for donations and the money was coming in, I thought to myself, that never would have happened if I hadn't been part of the school. People are a lot more willing to give if you're part of, um, a fi uh, part of the Adventist church, part of the Adventist school system. You know, They believe in Adventist education and they really want to support it. So to get school board approval, even though it took me a year to do it, was the best option I felt. Um, yeah. And then um, another thing that I found was find a tried and true method. Don't just try to, you know, trailblaze it on your own. I'm just going to put some seeds in the garden and hope that they grow and water them because it, it is a science. And we're told that we, if we study it, um, then the land will produce the blessing that it is supposed to give. So it is a science. You do have to... Um, do things in certain orders. And so we followed um, Elliot Coleman and J.M. Fortier. Um, J.M. Fortier, he, he gardens on the shoulders of Elliot Coleman. I mean, he's done everything Elliot Coleman does, and then he goes beyond to um, add a lot of efficiency. He's French-Canadian. He gardens in it's Quebec. That's French Canada. 
and um, does an amazing work, and I really felt that he was um, a blessing. And, and John Dysinger recommended those two authors, and so they really helped out a lot. And then my next thing is uh, start somewhere. Start somewhere. Oftentimes, I'm the type that I'm like, I've got to have things just perfect before I start, you know, because if I don't have this, then I can't do that. And, and so I can get overwhelmed with all the potential hurdles, but you've got to start somewhere. Um, experience is the best educator. So if you haven't done it, if you haven't failed at it, um, if you haven't succeeded at it, you haven't learned. So don't wait to just make sure everything's perfect. Move forward and God's going to add his blessing to it, but just start somewhere. And then the other thing that I saw was keeping people informed. If you're asking them to donate money to your cause, then uh, they want to know what's going on. They want to get excited. Um, if you're just taking their money and they don't see any result, um, then they're not so willing to keep giving. And so we kept um, everything we did in front of their um, eyes. We had newsletters that we sent out every month that updated them. We, um, any kind of event we had a booth at, so whether it was fall festival, alumni weekend, um, any kind of food fair, we were there. Um, Passion of the Christ, we had this play that we did, and so we'd have a gardening booth, and so we were always in front of the eyes of the people, and um, that really helped out a lot. And then um, don't do it alone. It's real easy to not have support and feel like, you know, that's all right. I, gardening is not that time consuming, but it is. Um, you may start off easy with just planting some seeds, but when it comes time to like harvest and weed, it is super time constraining. So you do need some kind of support. You'll get burnt out so easy. So whether it's you know, through work bees or, or a group of friends that start this program together, just make sure you've got some support because by yourself, it is really hard to do it. Yeah. And it's very taxing on your family if you do it by yourself. So get lots of help. Um, and then um, plan for recharging. Um, you can get burnt out real quick, but things that are helpful for recharging are these conferences. It's exciting to get around other people that are like-minded and have successful farms going on. So do that for yourself. Get recharged, plan it into your calendar. Don't miss out on that. Uh, buy a new book on gardening or um, sometimes the YouTube videos are helpful in that. You know, if you find a good source, um, go visit a successful farm and see, you know, because when you're in the midst of it and you're just starting, it can get super discouraging. You're like, man, I feel like I'm not doing anything. But when you see other farmers and you say, okay, they, they went through these same challenges and here's their successes, um, keep that, keep that with you, you know, recharge. And then the last bit of advice, which I feel is the most important, and it was given to me by John Dysinger, and it was so uh, simple yet profound, is keep God close. Keep close to God. It's going to be a, a battlefield out there. And I say that um, with 100% knowledge, that Satan, the enemy, does not want gardening to succeed in our schools. And it is a war zone, and he will do everything he can to discourage you, to um, mess things up, to bring a flood of overwhelming advice from all these different people. You've got to stay focused on what God's called you to do and keep that devotional life really strong with him because you are entering enemy territory. 
And Satan does not want us to be um, so close to God, um, and gardening is going to do that for you. He's, it's going to make you very close to God, and so he's going to try to mess it up. <clears throat> I'm sorry if I talk monotone and everyone's falling asleep. I will try to <clears throat> spice things up. So I'm going to, um, let's see what time it is. I want to leave time for questions, but I know, okay, good, we got, I could go through this pretty quick. I want to leave about 15 minutes for questions because I feel like that's really um, good learning time. So I've got about five minutes. I'm going to go through slides of the actual school and what we did there, and that um, can yeah, make it a little better. So here's our greenhouse. These were the greenhouses that were set up. Um, yeah, so they were, you know, kind of shabby, but they did a lot of um, hydroponics in those. Um, the last company that came through that did tomatoes and cucumbers um, did hydroponic farming. And I, you, you may have a different opinion on it, but I find that if God uses creation to demonstrate um, his love for us and, um, like, heavenly realities and truths, um, if you don't have the soil, you miss out on so much of the connection. And so I feel that, you know, gardening is not only supposed to provide the fruit, but it's, it's to provide the, the character building, and you miss it if you don't have soil to grow it. Because God, I mean, Jesus used so many illustrations coming from the soil. So anyway, he ended up going bankrupt because um, he got this horrible fungus that came through and just wiped everything out. So um, there's those greenhouses. So they were all sold off one by one. And um, here's our propagation house. This is after like uh, maybe six months of not being used. Um, it's really overgrown. Um, everything was in disarray. The wind was blowing it to smithereens. Um, there's the inside of the propagation house. Um, if you can see all that green, that's bindweed. We've actually, we had actually cleared it off um, prior, like maybe six, maybe two months prior, and it had already regrown, so it was um, pretty shabby. So we had a work bee, and people came out. Um, we, we decided we needed to roll up the sides. We had no electricity. Um, we had one spigot for our water supply, and so we had to do everything um, through passive circulation, and um, so we had to be able to make the sides roll up and down to um, help maintain temperature control because it got, I think we, we had a thermometer in there and it got up to 136 degrees. So I had um, these plastic pots um, that the uh, farmer had used before and they were you know, about this level in the um, hoop house and because they were so close to the, the top, that heat actually melted the plastic. And so when we were working in there, before we got these sides rolled up, uh, we almost had heat strokes. It was so hot. So um, as soon as we rolled up the sides, the temperature dropped down to like 82 degrees. So it was very vital to have those roll-up sides. Um, <laughs> the other problem we had was rabbits and mice. And they, during the winter time, um, feasted on the garden. And so what they did, <laughs> this junk pile was right alongside our garden. And um, we counted 12 rabbits and like two families of mice, and that was like 20 mice. So they just lived in there. That was like their little hotel, and they just jump out, eat the veggies, and then jump right back in. So that was a before, and there's an after. We spent about a week clearing that up. Um, the students helped, our work bee helped. 
And so um, we got things looking pretty good. There's one of the mice right there. We actually had to wear masks because the feces buildup was just incredible. Um, but there's one of them. And so I had support from, that's my son, Levi. And there's my son, Noah. And they were great helpers. They did not realize how much help they were. Um, and so here's our fallow ground. The one on the left side, was that left to you? Yeah, left to you. Um, that was our fallow ground. A local vet um, donated her tractor use for uh, a day, and she paid her worker. And so he came out and tilled everything up. Um, and then after that, we used a, a manual, not a manual, but a small tiller. And we, um, we really felt the importance, and I had seen it in my own personal garden, of amending the soil with the minerals that are lacking. So we did a soil sample, um, we tested it, it showed exactly where we were lacking, and we ordered the minerals to totally balance the soil. So that, um, I don't know if that's like a fertilizer thrower, that green one. Um, so as one was tilling, the other was spreading the fertilizer. And we amended the soil, and it really helped things grow. Um, we marked out our plots, our, our rows. We had um, 16 rows per plot. And so the first semester, we started off with one plot. Um, and then the next semester, we added the second plot. So all in all, we had six, wait, 32, thank you, 32 rows, 100 feet long, 30 inches wide. Um, that's a standard. Um, JM Fortier just goes over the importance of having standard measurements um, so that you don't have to, you know, it helps with yield to know how much, you know, you've, uh, how much produce you've taken off, 100 foot rows. It's just easier to calculate. So keep a standard. If it's 20 feet, if it's 50 feet, 100 feet, just make it all uniform the same to help with um, calculations. But um, 30 inch beds are the standard rule. A lot of uh, uh, farming equipment is 30 inches wide um, for market gardening. Um, and so then we had the students, all we had was plow, or um, not plows, what are they called? Hoes. We didn't have any equipment except for these hoes that I bought at Home Depot. But we had to start somewhere. So we got, uh, we had 14 students first semester and 14 the, the second semester. And um, they just hoed along those lines, and that's peat moss. We put peat moss down. Um, it was very dry, uh, clay-like if that makes any sense, dry clay. Um, and then when the rain fell, it would turn into solidified clay. So we had to amend it by adding uh, peat moss. And so I'd drive down to Denver with my truck, and they'd load this giant pallet of peat moss on the bed of my truck and tie it down. And here I am going along, and I feel the whole truck swaying. I'm like, this isn't safe. I'm going to get a ticket. And I just remember I went over this railroad track right before I got to um, our campus, and the last uh, tie fell off. And so the whole pallet's just swaying back and forth. I'm like, it's going to spill everywhere. But we got it there safely. And so we, um, we mixed in the peat moss and made those beds really nice. And the students, they loved it. They really loved being out there. It was so nice to get away from theory and book knowledge and get your hands dirty, get right into the, the meat of it. And we used um, microbes. So this company um, is called International Ag Labs. They provided all the minerals, and then they also provided a... Um, biological microbe spray that you could put on and what that does is microbes if you've ever gardened without microbes 
and then with microbes, it is a night and day difference. Those microbes, they take the minerals and they mineralize it and feed it to the roots of the plants. And so things that are in the soil, if you don't have microbes and plenty of them, your plants never get the nutrients that they need. Um, and then they also provide um, a gigantic network of filaments that, that branch out. So my, my, without microbes, um, there's just no better way. So we sprayed that on, and so we had quite a few rows of um, beautifully spaced out um, garden soil ready for planting. And so the students, some of them direct seeded, they got to choose which uh, crop they wanted to grow because what they grew they then could sell and they got the proceeds from it. Um, a portion went back to the school just for cost, but then the the, the next portion went to them for tuition and then even to pocket some of that money. And that was the best incentive you would have ever been able to have. Because those students were like, I can make money off this and this is mine. And so I didn't have to be like, now, why aren't you planting and why aren't you doing this? I didn't have to nag them. They were motivated. And so some direct seeded, some actually planted in soil blocks, um, which allow for air pruning if you've ever come across soil blocks. Has anyone ever heard of soil blocks? Okay, yeah, it's really awesome. During our cleanup, I understood the importance of soil blocks. You don't have waste. You don't have all this plastic you know, breakdown that's just getting blown across your field. It, it's so much cleaner to have soil blocks, um, but each to their own, you know. I'm not saying it's wrong to have anything else. So then we, um, we grew our starts from those seedlings and we planted them. And there's another student with some seedlings. We took them from the prop propagation house and we walked them down to our field. And there they are putting these seedling or starts into the ground. And um, first semester, um, we didn't have irrigation, so I had my little water hose out there sprinkling back and forth and I have to move it. But like I said, you gotta start somewhere and we learned um, a lot that first semester. Uh, and then we, we had uh, row covers. So Colorado is really unique, has super cold nights, and then it has really hot days. And then at any moment, you can have hail come through, you can have snow. May 21st of last year, snow. I was like, what? Uh, so you just never know. And so it's really important to cover your crops with this row cover. And that allows the temperatures to never, even though like outside it might get to you know, 18 degrees or whatever, underneath it's like 32. It's, anyway, there's a big difference um, of temperature control with that. And so it really helped a lot. However, however, those little mice were quite happy underneath those row covers. <laughs> so yeah, they just were protected from any owls that might be patrolling at night. Um, so here's some snow that happened and um, you checked underneath, um, those plants were nice and thriving. And Elliot Coleman and Jane Fortier, they really recommend using these and it worked beautifully to, for winter gardening especially. Um, so in our propagation house, um, we didn't have electricity. And so what I did is I took those row covers and I just put it right over our, um, what are those called? Um, anyway, tables of seedlings and we covered it and the really cold nights um, I did have to put a little heater underneath we had a <laughs> an outlet way across the way and I 
uh, put in an extension cord and a little heater underneath those row covers. And that kept everything warm enough. And we also tried um, like geothermal heating. So this greenhouse allowed the sunshine. We had lots of sunny days in Colorado. So it allowed the sunshine to really intensely heat up the ground. There was a lot of rocks and cement in there. And so we put the flats of starts just right on the ground. And we covered it with a row cover and that allowed it, the heat to trap in. And it worked beautifully. I didn't have to use a heater or anything like that. However, the mice found their way in. And so it's like a catch-22, you know, you gotta use electricity if you wanna keep it high off the ground, but if you don't have electricity and you wanna use it low. So anyway, I put my cat in there and she kinda helped a little bit. <laughs> and we had rat traps too, but yeah. So um, second semester after the to tomatoes um, were donated, um, we had um, lots of money to be able to, well not lots, we had $3,000, it, it was a nice donation, um, but we were able to buy a lot of market hand tools, and so instead of just hoes, now we had this broad fork, so we didn't have to till anymore, we could just uh, displace the land with that. We had the Jang cedar, and that was great, um, but if you were in any of the other um, seminars, um, they really recommend weighing before you seed and weighing after, because if there's not a difference, that means no seeds were placed, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know that because I'm waiting for these rows to pop up and no seedlings showed. So I recognized that something was wrong with the chamber and so it, it did not work. But that was just on two rows of 32, so it was okay. But that was, that was fun. The students liked that a lot. Um, and then we had this um, wheel hoe. And um, it has a really broad blade at the back. And you can just manually weed, especially in the pathway. Um, that was handy. Um, and then we had this uh, bed rake. And you can put these little red um, tubes at the end. And you can space out your, the, your plantings really well. So she would go down the row. Um, so uh, this is a 30 inch row and so I think it was 10 inches apart something like that and um, <clears throat> so we could put three rows in and then she would come along and uh, run that rake over crossways um, so that she could have a grid and then we knew exactly where each line intersected was where you put a plant so it was really helpful um, before we were just like laying down pipe and pressing it in the ground and trying to get a straight line. So this was really, um, it helped a lot. Um, and then the students had a lot of fun in the meantime. If I was trying to fix something or they had spare time, they were playing with butterflies and somersaulting. Anyway, here's the students' first semester and these are the um, volunteer tomatoes that came up. We had tons and tons of tomatoes, so I praise God for that. Um, here I am. <laughs> I look a little stressed out, but we... Uh, we used cinnamon roll sales to bring in um, funds for our budget, our agriculture budget. So we tried to be really creative, whatever we could do. And I'm telling you what, we had people lined up because um, we sold them at least three or four times. And people were just like, these are the best cinnamon rolls ever. And um, we sold tons of them and were able to make um, side income that way for our program. <clears throat> Here we are at the Passion for the Christ. And... Um, we have a little display, and so some of the students would dress up, and they would just have, we had the community come through, 
and they would have a little chance to plant um, tomato seeds there and take them home. And, and a community member actually came back and said, I actually am growing those tomatoes and it's really awesome, thank you. And so it was a great way to um, meet the community. And we had lots of volunteers. Um, we, this gentleman here, he'd come out just, you know, once or twice a month, just faithfully, even if I wasn't there, just start weeding away didn't have to ask for help. He just showed up, and it was so nice. He just really supported and believed. And um, Here's my husband working late into the evening. There he is. He just walked in. Hello. And uh, he helped uh, tremendously uh, with this garden. And here's some more friends. Um, her family came just to vacation there, and she's like, well, do you need some help? And the whole family came out to help volunteer. So God's going to bring people your way that are going to support you. More weeding from my two boys. They helped weed a lot. Remember that, boys? Yeah. Sometimes they were happy about it. Sometimes they were not, but they always had fun. <laughs> and I even put my mom to work when she came to visit. <laughs> Lots of work. And even little toads came to help, too. Yep. And Praise the Lord. In the summertime, I didn't, because I lost all my student help, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I even asked if I could have some uh, workers, some local workers help. Um, some of the students lived locally, and they're like, no, there's nothing in the budget for it. But God saw otherwise, because he provided two helpers. <laughs> yeah. And so all in all, uh, we had a really successful garden. Um, the lettuce grew fabulous out there. We had lettuce, we had cabbage, we had carrots, um, we had beets, um, green beans, tomatoes, anything you could think of, um, and it grew big. We had this massive lettuce that grew, I mean, it literally, like that big around, it was huge. And it was not bitter like, you know, you think it's old lettuce, it was great. Um, and so we took our first proceeds, as you can see, um, not proceeds, our first crop, our first harvest, we took it to the church and we displayed it out there and let everyone take whatever they wanted. Um, these are two, um, these were actually Brazilian inter, uh, international students that came through. And so they were really excited and we just let everyone take. And then um, we also set up a booth outside of our school and they sold just right at the roadside. We'd have people from the community um, come through and buy. And then we also set up a booth at the farmer's market in a local town, uh, Fort Collins. And so they're real earthy and they loved, they loved our lettuce. Um, so we, they were so excited because they're like, Campion, I think I've heard of that school. And then we were known for our lettuce. They just were, every, every Sunday they were waiting for us. And, th and they sold out, the lettuce sold out every time. So it was great. So we had lots of fun. Some of the dollars escaped the jar and found themselves at different vendors' booths. And but anyway, my children had a good time. And so um, all in all, we had a really successful uh, year. There were a lot of trials through the way, but it was worth every single bit of it. And um, the students. They were super excited um, to have this agriculture program. They were very motivated, they were fun, they loved the chance to get outdoors um, and their hands dirty. And so um, I just praise God for the opportunity to have experienced that and to share it with you today. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. 
If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.